Welcome back to another evening of Scotch Hour. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, so this is uh, episode 87, if I believe. Is that correct? That is right. All right. In this episode here, uh, we are going to be uh, tasting the Arbeg Oogadal. <laughs> Oogadal, right? Oogadal. And, uh, this, and then from there, from the Arbeg Oogadal, uh, we'll go into our... Um, Get it together's uh, restaurant review, which is uh, on the rocks. On the rocks, and then from there we have our um, smart challenge being um, the best of Al Pacino. Scotch review. All right, we have got the Ardbeg Oogdal, and uh, man. I think we're in for a very special treat. I think Noah picked out a an outstanding uh, opportunity for us to taste a single malt scotch with a great and potent cask strength. Uh, did you want to go into the history or you want me to? Uh, well, I mean, you can clean up my history, I guess. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what I have, it's been around for just a little bit over uh, 200 years. Um, it started in, uh, it was found in 1815. Um, they uh, trademarked Arbeg in 1911. Uh, Hiram Walker um, took over in 1977. Um, and in 1981, the distillery died, like a lot of these like uh, Scotch houses have done. And then um, Allied Brands brings them back to life in 1987. And then uh, Glenn Morangi bought them out in 1997. And then that kind of takes us, uh, up to date, I believe, from the brief history that I found. Uh, with Oogadal, though, that is the lock that's kind of near the distillery, and that's where they pull their uh, water from there on the island of Isla. Um, that's all I really have other than, like, the tours. Yeah, with uh, Oogadal, I think you wrapped up that history pretty good. This particular, uh, particular variation or variety of Ardbeg was first released in 2003. And again, I think one of the things you mentioned is their water source. One of these things that most of these distilleries truly covet and protect and also use religiously. Yeah, um, a lot of these distilleries do talk a lot about like their water source. So, um, and and from what I've read about this one so far, I'm, I've never tried it before, but uh, it sounds like it'll be a, a very fun uh, experience for sure. Uh, as far as the tours go, um, they have basically uh, three main tours and a kind of a do-it-yourself type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they have what's called a tour in the wee tasting, which is about twelve British pounds. Uh, then we have a dram good time, um, which is uh, 65 uh, British pounds. And then from there, we have the what's called the core range, which is 25, uh, 25 British pounds. And then the do-it-yourself tastings where <laughs> uh, you can taste the flights of their scotches and you can choose like what flights you want. And that can range anywhere for as low as like 20 British pounds up to as high as 130 British pounds. Well, first thing to remember, this is 54%, 54 54.2, better not lose that point to you, 54.2% ABV, so a true cask strength with Ardbeg, a few things we uh, know and we have mentioned, it is one of those distilleries off of Isla, the island of Isla, and they do have a pretty 
strong following. Uh, I think Glenn Morangi buying them out is a, a key point because since Glenn Morangi bought them out, I believe they've won the award of Distillery of the Year four times. Um, yep. And and again, though, with Glenn Morangi, as is with Ardbeg, Glenn Morangi, we know they're protecting their springs in the middle of that little forest area. Um, they absolutely covet Thy shall not covet thy neighbor's wife, just thy neighbor's water source. <laughs> so they covet that water source. Um, Ardbeg, traditionally, it's a beautiful bottle. It's a handsome box. Um, well done with the black foil, um, the green glass, making it a little more mysterious. This is mature. Um, this is deep. This is This is a strong bottle. This is a strong presentation. This is absolutely something uh, that you're happy to bring if you're uh, going over to meet the future potential father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, though, it does kind of give you like that um, kind of what you would expect from Scotland or the UK or something like that. Um, I, I do like the, uh, the coloring of it, um, like that green along with the uh, Arbeg uh, kind of like logo, kind of almost kind of has like that old English style to it, maybe. Um, all right, I'm ready for you to pour it out. Yeah. Pour it. <laughs> well, I'm, stop I'm, stop I'm dragging your feet here. Hey, man, hurry up. <laughs> all right. And we know we can trust they've got a good cork in here. See a little smoke, a little bit of magic coming right off the lips of this bottle. It does have a nice color to it. That's what she said. All right. Warp speed. speed. Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I had a chant to Ugadal there because yeah, this Arbeg Ugadal is like it's surprisingly way better than I thought it would be. I, I mean, I was expecting something decent, but I was really pleasantly surprised by the flavors I got from it. To start off, you know, I, I, I'm getting like a really nice dark copper or gold color here, which I really, really do like. Um, and to your point, I know you haven't said it yet, but uh, you mentioned it to me earlier. I think this might be pretty close to what the the McCallum number <laughs> uh, edition number six uh, was like in color. And wow, like you know, like some of that flavor that you get from these like charred oaks, uh, oak barrels or casks. Um, some they bring out some great flavors in some of this, uh, in some of these scotches. Well, uh, 
So from my analysis here, uh, which uh, you know has bears no weight whatsoever, except I'm just uh, just a weirdo who likes to occasionally drink scotch with my buddy here. Um, but on the nose, what I'm getting it when I smell uh, this um, this particular scotch, I'm getting pine needles with espresso, dark cocoa, cedar, and that peated smoke. You know, like uh, drinking the Ardbeg Ten, um, the that that peat and the smoke is really prevalent there in the Ardbeg Ten, but here it's much more milder. And really just like the pine needles and espresso and the dark cocoa is what really comes out to me in this in this particular bottle. Uh, when it hits my uh, my palate. <laughs> that slaps. <laughs> <laughs> when it hits my palate. Um, and I think there's going to be more stuff here as we drink more throughout the show. Um, but my initial, my initial uh, analysis here is what I'm getting is like some winter spice. I mean, you know, like when you like make mulled wine or whatever during Christmas time the spices that they use in mulled wine. So I'm getting some of the, like, like that winter spice here along with dark sugar, which is where I think this, the sweetness is coming from with the, like hints of honey and malt. And once again, you have that peated smoke going through here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that peated smoke kind of carries on into the finish. And with the finish, I'm getting uh, caramel malt and espresso. And uh, still like a hint of chocolate there, so it's almost kind of like a mocha, if you will, um, like a like a caramel mocha um, uh, with uh, with some like uh, peated smoke, and that smoke, and then that peated like the dark cocoa, and the and the smoke kind of linger there a little bit, and I think it makes for a really great flavor, and I'm really enjoying it. But then again, I'm just I'm some weirdo, so maybe maybe I'm way off on what I taste here. So I don't know. Well, this scotch. I don't know that I'm really surprised, but I am definitely pleased with where this scotch landed. Um, we've had some great Arbeg, and you know, the Arbeg 10 is a really good scotch, especially for the value. Um, this one, I believe you paid right around the $100 mark for. And um, so it is definitely a, a little pricier than the 10, but it is worth every penny. So for me, First thing I have to mention, again, I'm going to start with that. This is a 54.2% ABV cask strength, non-chill filtered, and they did both the strength and the non-chill filter so you get that full body, um, that color, um, almost potentially that sediment. And because of that, as you see it, you can tell the body right off the bat, the way the legs come down the glass, the Marangani effect um, what that is is that's when the alcohol evaporates off the liquid and creates little legs um, as it's coming down the inside of the glass but what it also really emphasizes is that this is not a watered down version of a scotch it is thick and you feel it on your tongue um, not thick in a bad way not uh, lizzo thick but thick in a good way um, coats it just right and with that Oh man, um, on the nose, it is complex, it is beautiful, and the peat is there, but that's not what's profound. Um, what is profound to me is a little bit of leather, which I love the smell of leather on a scotch espresso, but it really embodies by this sweet toffee 
and a, a, a dark brown sugar. Um, the rest of it is all there. And, you know, the, the theory would be that the uh, barley, that smoked barley is what's bringing in this cereal flavor and, and nose to this. And it absolutely works on the palate. Again, for something, it is not burning at all for 54.2% ABV, um, and it is sweet at the front, and it, I struggled a little bit to try to figure out what is this fruit I'm tasting, and how a lot of people would probably go raisin, but that's not it to me. What I am loving about this is I am getting a hint of um, sweet blueberry or sweet blackberry, you know, the, the darker the, the fruit, the sweeter the juice, right? That is literally the front of the palate of this scotch is this um, fruity, sweet, peated, delicious, thick flavor. Um, you can tell there's honey in there, but again, the honey isn't overpowering. It's not like the Ben React where you can't, you can't, you can't deny the honey's there. This is more of that sugar, um, that thick sugar flavor um, that then slowly transcends and goes more to the peat and the smoked barley. And on the finish, the finish is long. It is absolutely um, that sweet flavor, that dark sugar, and um, maybe a little bit of toffee uh, going into this smooth caramel thick finish uh, that wraps up with a, a hint of espresso. Um, there's a little bit of spice in there, but again, nothing overpowering. It is super complex, but super well balanced and a wonderfully long unbelievably smooth finish for a scotch of this strength it really is and and i also forgot to mention like yeah i would take this to an event <laughs> and um this would probably this this is like i'm not sure yeah <laughs> it's good to take to an event but i'm not sure if i'd be selfish with this one this one's kind of like on the borderline where I think I probably would be selfish and not take it to a poker night, not take it to an event, unless it's a really good event where I know there will be other like scotch drinkers there that would appreciate it. Because I really do think the complexity of this uh, Arbeg uh, does uh, require someone who would appreciate the scotch itself. And I'm not really sure I would want to just take it just to any kind of normal kind of event or a poker night where guys may or may not care about it unless they were truly uh scotch connoisseurs um so this one um i'd keep for me and and my buddies that come over <laughs> that enjoy scotch it is absolutely a delight uh for sure would i take it to any of those events you know what i'm going to tell you this though with this particular bottle if I, i'd take it to a poker night if it was a strip poker night with a bunch of ladies <laughs> <laughs> uh, because again this scotch is great it is something i think even someone who's not necessarily a connoisseur or super experienced could enjoy for 54.2 percent abv it is incredibly complex and smooth it is not rough at all and maybe this should be a trend because I, I think we need to revisit some of these other cask strength scotches and see something we already know as long as they non-chill filter them they do have better body they do have a greater flavor um, it is not all filtered out because they're trying to rush the process um, it's like the Benriac um, the cask strength that you brought onto one of our shows about 10 weeks ago that is very similar to this in the sense that the body is there the color is just unbeatable by the way i don't even know 
Um, uh, I can almost call it like an amber, like a dark red, almost like I, it would almost pass for like a porter. It is, yeah, <laughs> like this is like a super rich sherry color. Um, yeah. It is outstanding. I agree with you. I love the color. Um, I love the bottle. And um, oh, it's done in bourbon casks, right? I think it was aged in bourbon casks, and then finished in sherry casks. Yeah, and okay. I think the sherry is where they're they're claiming it's it gets its fruit from. At least when uh, the in in the early ages, I'm not sure if their uh, recipe has changed at all. But let's. Let's face it, like you don't use the same barley every year. The fields grow, climates change. This year, whatever this year is, is absolutely a win. Um, and something I will um, undeniably go purchase another bottle before they run out again, because we know that there are distribution issues with some of these things um, and add to my collection for a fine day. Um, this is the kind of scotch I think, you know, uh, we should have celebrated something like this when uh, you got your new car. Like this is the kind of scotch you, you bring to that. Yeah. It's like a, a, for me, a bottle of machete wine. Like you pop that wine when you're having a great steak and you're celebrating something. Well, like maybe if, uh, maybe if, uh, you know, <laughs> our venture here in Scotch ever takes off and we, uh, become like, uh, earning a bunch of money here uh, from YouTube and stuff. Maybe we can do that when we buy company cars or something. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it doesn't even have to be a bunch of money. It just has to buy us those trips so we can share what we have learned. Yes. And that's really our goal here, guys. Um, when you do uh, donate to our cause, we're really trying to learn and share, um, educate you guys as well, help you find that perfect scotch while we go along our own journey. Um, and it has absolutely been an outstanding journey. It has been. It's time for our shout outs. Um, it's just the uh, two of them. Simple one. Way to go again. We're stopping in Mexico. <laughs> nice job. Um, the second one goes out this week to uh, my daughter, Mila, for taking her first solo trip to California. Spent about a week there, visited a friend, uh, went in, and she sent me some pictures uh, when she was on Rodeo Drive of some fancy cars, and then also when she was on Hollywood Boulevard of none other than Tom Cruise's star along the walk, which is very meaningful uh, to me and, and my children, because if you haven't seen the article, other shows we love to watch the mission impossible movies and man uh you can't you can't deny how great top gun was for children of all ages myself included <laughs> yourself how about some shout outs i do have one shout out because it kind of so it, it went it goes with my last week's get it together see the cu buffs still lost they still need to get it together yes uh but their uh quarterback who uh is jt shout he uh he made an incredible pass to uh, Jordan Tyson. Uh, he was scrambling and um, threw a, threw a bomb. It was like I think like they like the longest like pa pass play this year from scrimmage. Um, but my I guess my real shout out goes to Jordan Tyson. He's a freshman for the CU Buffs. Had a, like a career uh, career night and won like uh, freshman of the of the week and stuff for the Pac-12. So shout out to uh, Jordan Tyson. I forgot about that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I had to get the reminder for my uh, kid together to remember that shout out. Um, my, my get it together. Wow. I just don't know where to go here. I mean, there's just so much going on in the world today. Um, and uh, it's really easy to talk about politics and we're so close to uh, election time. Uh, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of areas here uh, in the United States that have early, uh, 
early election so you can do like the mail-ins or the drop-off boxes um i don't really care how a person votes just go out and vote i don't care if you're gonna vote democrat i don't care if you're gonna vote republican i don't care if you're gonna vote third party i mean i do have my own personal preference but just go out there and vote um and go out and vote the way i think uh, you know whatever way you feel is the most secure way to vote um and that's the only thing I really have to say about that. And, and that kind of just leads into my get-together, uh, which is Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Brazil, and, you know, this is this is all, like, uh, it's all fluid here. So things can change. <laughs> and, and I don't want to be, like, dinged for, uh, for like, uh, spreading misinformation or anything here. But apparently there's been some uh, indications that there might have been uh, some uh, some foul play happening in their election there, and that now that their military is going to be stepping in and uh, actually analyzing the election. So who knows if uh, Lula, uh, which is supposedly the World Economic Forum's person, uh, actually won, or Bolsonaro, uh, which is more of like a Trump person, uh, won that election. Either case, um, you know, the whole world just kind of needs to get its act together with the elections. I don't think we should trust the uh, the uh, these these uh, election computers and stuff like that because they've have been they've been proven to not give us very reliable uh, uh, results. So that's my get it together. All right. I, I got to give one more shout out. The fact that Noah didn't go down through hammer time this week is super <laughs> impressive. So my only get it together is uh, <laughs> world um, United States. Uh, if you haven't realized this, just be conscious that there is potentially a diesel shortage. Just be aware of it because a diesel shortage, since we still use diesel to fuel all of our trucks that really take things from shipping yards and everywhere else to their final destinations. Um, there may be uh, an interesting impact that has if they don't fix that problem quickly. Um, so just be aware of that as well as they have uh, fixed, you know, like gas prices for the regular person short term by producing less diesel and more gasoline. Yeah, that's pretty scary because uh, if we do run out of diesel there, I mean, they like basically Europe has already pretty much ran out of diesel. And that's what's causing a lot of their uh, hikes of inflation going like 20, 30, 40, 50%, sometimes 100% in some areas. And um, yeah, that's that's an, that's an economy killer. That will definitely kill the economy if we have no uh, diesel fuel to move uh, move the products and gasoline around from place to place. So even though like your car might just like run off of like uh, unleaded, but you're going to need those diesel trucks to move that, that gas around. And uh, just because you have an electric car, that does not mean you're safe either. So. All right. All right, yeah. Fun times. Fun times that we're living in. I, I'm kind of tired of living through these, like, fun times. It's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> Isn't that what they always say? It's always darkest before dawn. Yeah, we're not that dark yet. <laughs> We're still getting to the darkest. We're getting darker, but we're not that dark yet. <laughs> Restaurant All right, so the restaurant we went to is uh, On the Rocks, uh, ROX, right? That's right. Off of uh, Lincoln. Yep. 
And I'm not sure, is that Lone Tree? I think it's Lone Tree, right? I think we're talking about that. Yes. Visit on the rocks. Uh, And it was interesting because it was another one of these situations where the parking lot was dark as night. And when I say dark as night, like, I don't know if they were trying to do something for Halloween or what, uh, because it was the end of October. However, there were no parking lot lights. Um, Really didn't bother me that much. But at the same time, it's like, this is not really promoting a safe environment. It's like very easy to break into a car when there's no light to shine. Um, But with that getting in, it was an interesting, it wasn't a super sexy environment, uh, but it was simple um, and it had pretty good music. Um, things were going on. There was pretty good service. I had the Monte Cristo and I will say this is the best Monte Cristo I have had since the one I can remember having in 2000. Uh, so we're talking 22 years ago at a, a Bennigan's when I was there in Boston with my parents and uh, Bennigan's really had a good Monte Cristo. Bennigan's is no more. However, on the rocks had the best Monte Cristo I've had and their fries were delicious as well. Um, The prices were good. Would I take a first date there? Most likely not. Again, this is one of those things where the location isn't super prime. Uh, Would I just go there with a friend? Absolutely. I had good food. Again, I think the prices were pretty fair. Um, Was it a sexy environment? No. So overall, food for me, it is getting, and when I say an eight, eight is solid now. Nowadays, eight is a solid. Food was an eight service um, was again good was a seven Um, the environment this is where it kills them was a six Um, overall value though again a seven so uh, my total score for on the rocks is a seven driving up lincoln um i wasn't really sure where it was (laughs) and um i i got lucky i turned at the right i turned at the right spot turn left at oswego and there it was (laughs) (laughs) and uh but it would have really helped if they had their lights on. <laughs> so like the lights, like they have a sign that faces Lincoln. It might have been helpful if, the, if that would have been lit up. And then to your point, when you go into the parking lot, because you have to kind of drive, actually you have to drive around to get to the parking lot. It wasn't just like you turn in right there from Lincoln. It's like you have to kind of go in a circle almost. But once you do get there, um, there is no lights in the parking lot. And once again, there is no, they have another sign on the building that says on the rocks. And that uh, was not lit up either. And going to the restaurant, you're walking towards the doors. I mean, you do see like a patio, but you're not even sure if like those are like the back doors or the front doors. You don't know. Like it's kind of, kind of hard to tell. So it's not very inviting when you first get there. Uh, when you first walk in, um, yeah, it's, it's what you think for like probably like a neighborhood bar, but a little bit like cleaner version of a neighborhood bar. Um, it was a clean environment. I will give them that. It was clean inside. Yeah, it was like a clean bar. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like only one. Like, I think I only saw like one pool table, and uh, they had some like I'm not sure what else they had going on there. But um, it wasn't very busy when we went there. We went there on a Wednesday evening, I believe it was. Um, there was a couple, uh, there's like a few couples there. Um, maybe. I'm not sure if there are dates or couples or whatnot. Um, but it did seem like it was starting to get a little bit busier as we were getting ready to leave. And we were, I think we were walking like out like around, what, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. So maybe it's a place that gets busier uh, the later it gets. I don't know. If someone can find it because it's not lit up once again. 
Um, even when you go inside, I think, I think I mentioned this to you when we were there, but it felt like the acoustics inside the building was a little bit off and I was having a hard time hearing people. And as soon as I walked out, I felt it was fine. So I'm not sure if it was like the acoustics in there or what it was, but like I was having a hard time hearing the waitress or even you and you're sitting like across the table from me. So it was kind of like, it was a little bit weird for me. Yeah. It wasn't super noisy. He did mention the acoustics and maybe they did do it on purpose because there were a lot of couples in there. I got to admit that there were a surprising number of couples in there. So maybe it's so that you get real close and you're kissing is so that's the only way you can hear. <laughs> maybe. Um, now for the food, I got the chicken lettuce wrap and I wasn't really hungry that day. And so um, that actually like came out to be like the perfect size meal for me. Uh, I, I got the spinach. You, you're, you can choose like what kind of like wrap you want. I chose spinach. Um, and uh, I think it was the uh, uh, buffalo uh, chicken wrap. Um, so they had the buffalo in there. And I got it with the blue cheese chunks off to the side. Um, I do recommend though, if you do order that, uh, have them put the blue cheese crumbles in, even if you're not a big blue, big blue cheese crumble fan, because I think it did add a lot of flavor to it. Um, you're allowed to choose your your uh, your side, and I got the loaded baked potato. Um, the size of the portion of the loaded baked potato was pretty small, but <laughs> once again, I wasn't super hungry, so I wasn't like I didn't it didn't really concern me that much. And uh, for the amount that I paid, I think it was like a little bit lower cost there on the uh, on the menu for this particular dish, and um, but the the price point for it was actually pretty much on point, so it was actually a pretty decent price. So the food value is good, uh, the flavor of the food was great. So I'm gonna give it like a seven on the food, and uh, pro- the value I'll give it a, like a seven. Uh, the waitress. I don't know. I think it took a little while for someone to come over to us at first, but after that, it, it was pretty pretty spot on. So I'm gonna give that a seven. Um, so I'm pretty much a, seven. It's pretty much sevens across the board. But here's where it's gonna drop down: the freaking parking lot, no lights on the building, and the acoustics or whatever is going on the inside of that building that drops it down to probably like a five. So I'm gonna give it like a six point five total. All right. So uh, would I take it a first date there? Probably not. Um, but I meet friends there probably not. And here's the reason why it's not that cause it's not a nice place and the food isn't good. Um, I just don't like the acoustics in there for some reason. It was maybe, maybe I was just having a weird, like human body day or something. I'm not sure. Like, but it just, it bothered me that much. I, I really didn't want to go back into that building. And, um, but maybe if I, maybe during the summertime I go eat at the patio or something, I'd probably be fine with that. But yeah, um, that that's kind of like my take there. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's where we sat. I have I have no idea. It just it was really weird. I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> Can you say that again? Can you speak up? <laughs> A sphincter says what? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I definitely give the place a try, though. I mean, it's not bad for a seven point or six point five type of uh, place. So the sweater challenge this week was uh, the best of Al Pacino. And we'll kind of follow the somewhat of the same uh, format we did with the best of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. But this time here, because um, I know for me, I'm not sure about you, but there are three movies where I think they're, they're my favorite three movies where I could watch all the time type of thing. And then there are 
And then like the ones where I thought he acted the best were different. So okay. uh, we'll do like uh, top three um, favorites and then top three where he best acting. And then anything else we want to add in, I guess. Um, I guess before we do add that in, though, uh, Al Pacino was born on April 25th, 1940. He's uh, from Manhattan, uh, New York. Grew up in the Bronx. So it, I think a lot of the movies that he does kind of portrays where he grew where he grew up. And also with that, um, he, uh, he did grow up kind of poor. He had to borrow money to take the bus to go make auditions. And eventually, in 1966, he made it into the actor's studio, which uh, he w- he started to learn from Lee Strasberg, mm-hmm. who was the creator of the method acting. Yes. And uh, that then that kind of exploded method acting in, into the 70s um, with like actors like Al Pacino. And further on with actors like Heath Ledger. Exactly. Or (laughs) like a lot of times we have visited actors and our favorite actors have unfortunately and fortunately yeah been method actors, which isn't necessarily healthy. Like that's something that's important. (laughs) It isn't necessarily healthy um, to be a method actor. Exactly. Uh, So um, with that, do you want to say anything else about Al Pacino before we get into our top three movies? Um, A couple things I'll say as we get into this, because I think you brought up a really good point. First of all, anyone who doesn't respect Al Pacino has no idea about the last 82 years. And that's the first thing you got to understand is this gentleman, and I will use that term very solidly, this gentleman is 82 years old. He has uh, he is one of the few actors ever to win the acting triple crown. So he has an Academy Award, two Tony Awards, and two Primetime Emmy Awards. Very few actors ever uh, meet that accomplishment. It's just like <laughs> the triple crown. If you're a horse and you're going to you know a derby, it's it's that same sort of thing. So he has had this uh, vast career, uh, but he also is somebody who embodies to me um, a Shakespeare at heart. And why I say that is because, man, whether it's the method acting or whatever, whether it's one of the TV shows he's done or these movies he's done, you can tell he is giving a hundred Percent, I would say 110, but that's not really mathematically possible. But he is giving 100%, which is probably why the guy's never been married. Has three kids, never been married. But that's, you know, it's hard. And, and I don't, you know, he's he has, however, in my mind, had a very good human experience because he's got three kids. Oh, um, yeah. He's had great loves. The longest relationship um, that I know that he's been in was 10 years long from 2008 to 2018 when he's dating a Venezuelan actress. And she's much younger, by the way. Um, but um, that, ironically, the one woman he didn't have a kid with that he was in a long relationship Um which leads to the other piece, long life, 82 years. I hope he has a chance to continue living it out and, and spending and sharing his greatness with all of us. Um, but with that, man, this length literally goes right into his movies and shows. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do not try to watch one of his movies, his greats at least, in a short period of time. These are not hour-long movies. <laughs> Maybe this like this uh, particular topic should have been like over two weeks or three weeks long because to try to get like first of all he has like a ton of movies 
And second of all, like a lot of these movies are like three hours or three and a half hours long. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> I'm going to eat dinner and go start a Al Pacino movie. Might be finished by next week. <laughs> uh, but great movies. That's the, only oh, yeah. thing, that's the only thing I wanted to add is this guy has had a long life and he is someone who is absolutely admirable. I would agree with that 100%. I would say 110, but that's not exactly possible. <laughs> Damn math, people! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll start off. Uh, your ten favorite movies to watch. Three favorite right, movies sorry, to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah your top damn. <laughs> I'm seven short on my list. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah, so yeah, your top three favorite movies to watch. And okay, start with number three, and then I'll do my number three, and then we'll go up. All right. This was not easy, by the way. Oh, I know. Um, so this is the watching versus version. This is not the acting version. And for me, number three on the favorite to watch any given Sunday. Adam opposite Cameron Diaz. I know everyone says that's not a football movie. That is my favorite football movie. How is it ever? not a football movie? Like there's like a ton of football in there. Ah, uh, because I guess it's not really about football. It's all about management and contracts and all the ugly stuff people don't want to see. That I agree. It is about football. That's all real football. Tom Brady has been in these ugly situations for decades. Um, any real athlete, honestly, in any sport has been through these situations. And this movie exploits that. It really shows, hey, these guys are out doing drugs, cheating, X, Y, and Z. I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're not cheating if you're married to Giselle. You got a whole nother. Well, you know, he's getting divorced, right? Yeah, because she wants to go be a supermodel. And I don't even want to talk about that situation because honestly, it breaks my heart. Um, because I just, it's just stupid. I get that. She's not going to find a better man. Like I get wanting to go do your own thing, not feeling supported. You're not going to find a better man. But back on track. Uh, my number three favorite to watch. And it is a fun movie for me to watch. And it's weird because it's not really a happy movie. But I love the way he wins in the end. Um, I actually do think it's a happy movie. I think dude, I think, like, I, think, I think most of it's all about like, I think it's about kind of like real life. Like you have, he has issues. He, uh, him and his team both have issues or they're going through the struggle. And I think at the end, it is a happy ending because... Dude, he literally screws over the old quarterback to get the young quarterback, the old team to get the new team going. Like, he does everything well, so it's happy on one side, but all of the people, um, if you believe in being loyal, get fucked. Yeah, but I don't think they're being loyal to him either. <laughs> they weren't, and that's a good point, because Common Diaz, that's a good point. Because she was trying to push him out anyways with their... It wasn't just trying, she pushed him. <laughs> <laughs> trying to, you know, bring in the, uh, the, the uh, offensive coordinator to be the new head coach. And she failed. Like, yep, she did fail. Short, short victory because it was no victory. Exactly. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'll see you on the field next year. <laughs> Boom. So talking about like, oh, like just another quick guy uh, off off script here. Uh, <laughs> easy to do with easy. these stories. But when you know you're talking about like how I had to do more with the uh, back office type of stuff, that kind of brings up like uh, Kim Costner and uh, game uh, draft day. Where it's all about like the whole draft situation in uh, the NFL. Anyways, that's another good movie. Uh, for my number three, though, for Al Pacino to stay on track here, it is it's uh, be hard to do with this topic. <laughs> my number three to uh, movie to watch and you know, like that that watch like multiple times is Donnie Brasco. Okay, I love. I, I think 
you know, him and uh, Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. You can't mess with Johnny Depp. Yeah, I think they, I think they play off of each other really well, and you know, him playing the uh, kind of like the mentor mobster there, uh, as Depp is like kind of you know he brings him in underneath uh, his wing and stuff. Uh, but it, it's I don't know I I've, based off a of true story, it's very uh, entertaining, and um, you know. It, to me, like it feels like uh, time kind of like flies by when you watch it. it. Doesn't seem like it's a very long movie at all. All right, your number two. All right, so number two favorite to watch again. Not really a short movie. Heat is action packed, and I love the story. I hate the ending. I don't love the way this movie ends, um, but it's real. That's real, and you break your own code, and we've talked about this uh, almost since the beginning of our show, how important it is for someone, uh, a man or anyone, a woman, to have a code and to live by it, and in this movie, that is a big piece of Robert De Niro's character opposite Al Pacino, um, and Al Pacino actually never falters from his code. Robert De Niro does, and Al Pacino wins because because of that. Uh, but the movie is great. Again, like it's not really a happy movie, but man, do I love watching it. And like Ashley Judd in a lot of her movies is cute. I hate her character. She played her character so well, was so well written in this movie. It's the one time I'm like, I hate the prettiest movie in this movie. I wish she wasn't in it, <laughs> but at the same time, it doesn't matter who's playing it. If they're playing it well, she is a bad person. Uh, he is a, that is a, Intense movie. It's a great movie. Uh, great acting between De Niro and uh, and Al Pacino there. Um, you know, and I, I think part I from what I remember, um, part of that movie was based off of like that uh, bank robbery that happened in uh, downtown L.A. Uh, where they like like two guys basically took on like a huge force of uh, uh, L.A. officers and they had them outgunned and everything. Oh yeah, like it was. <laughs> Have you ever watched that video? Yeah, it's insane because it lasts way too long. <laughs> yeah, like, those does. guys got shot thousands of times before they finally got through the few weak points in all of that body <laughs> yeah. armor. It was insane, right? <laughs> uh, uh, well, anyways, uh, Heat is not on my top three list here, but my number two is Devil's Advocate. Oh, oh my god, see, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> and and he. Uh, plays counterpart to Al Pacino and Al Pacino is the devil uh, or head of the law firm. And, uh, it's another great intense movie. It's, uh, another one that I wouldn't really say is a happy movie. No, <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> Al Pacino's like dog day afternoon. Al Pacino is not in a lot of happy movies. <laughs> Like they're great movies, but they're not necessarily happy. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Devil's Advocate, I, I love. Um, I really do. I don't know why. It's just not as fun for me to watch. I, I don't know. I enjoy watching it. I watch them all. I've watched it multiple times. And I think it kind of really makes you ask a question. Like, if you were put in that situation, would you take what he's giving you and then, like, live that kind of life? Or would you, I mean, or would you, like, uh, you know, Maybe that's my struggle. Maybe that's why I try not to watch it because I don't want to think that. Because I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, I'm rich. I'm rich. <laughs> <All right>. Powerful. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite one to watch? <sighs> Scent of a woman. 
Oh my god, that's a great movie too. It's literally my favorite one to watch because I think one of the things Al Pacino does here well, not only did he win an Academy Award for this movie, rightfully so, um, but it, and I've been forgetting to mention some of this timeline. Heat was 1995. Any Given Sunday was 1999. Um, so literally more, my more favorite movies to watch, and then interestingly enough, as we get to the, the next section, I think something similar happens, but his older movies were some of the <laughs> ones where he was more impactful to me, and with Scent of a Woman, how he um, both intentionally and unintentionally takes on this young student who's thinking about he's having the worst week of his life, spending it with his old blind man, um, and then learning just the opposite, like, oh my god. God, this man has, again, a code. And yes. at the end of the day, Al Pacino's character has a code and he lives by it and he stands by it up to the last minute. And again, he wins. Like in this one, he wins. Um, this is your favorite movie because he drives a Ferrari blind. It's no. not just that. It's because it's, to me... The whole movie is sad until the ending. At the end of this movie, Dude, he's so happy. He comes through like a total hero at the end. <laughs> no, he gets the girl. He shared an experience that I hope someday I can share an experience, anything close to that with either of my children, um, because he shares an experience that will never be forgotten. Uh, and what I get from this is, man, if I was the kid in this movie, I am blessed to have had this experience I thought was a nightmare going in. It's just, it's a beautiful story. And at the end, I'm crying, literally crying with happiness. I agree. That is a, that is a phenomenal movie. I did not put it in my top three favorites to watch though. <laughs> he has so many. It's easy to do something else. <laughs> that's the reason why I had, that's the reason why I said we had to split this up in two, two different sections here. My number one favorite movie to watch is Any Given Sunday. Okay. Uh, because I can I, see that. <laughs> because I, I love how it does go into the different aspects of, of, of football. Like There is the actual player side of it where they're actually on the field. There's the, the, uh, the, the true reality of, like as you mentioned, between the old quarterback who gets injured and the new quarterback who steps up. Uh, there's the whole issue of like where the current coach is not doing a great job with the – uh, with the team right now, so the ownership is looking for a change. Um, all that stuff is like going there. And, and for someone to say it's not a football movie, it's totally a football movie. There's like they even they even like quote like historical things from his, uh, from his, you know from uh, legendary coaches and stuff like that. Um, to me, I can watch that movie anytime. I can just pop that in. I can be totally bored or have like nothing. You know, need if if I want to kill time, I can put that movie in. And I'd be totally happy watching it. And which is really hard for me though, because like Al Pacino has like a lot of really great movies, but there's not like a lot of movies where I could just like put on of Al Pacino without it being like a three hour ordeal or whatever. And it's not a bad ordeal. Like it's a great, you know, any one of his movies are great, but some of them are just are so like impactful. Like it's just like, yeah, it, it, this is more than I really want to put into a movie or something like that. And then where this one, like I can kind of like, you know, zone out and just kind of just enjoy it. So that's my number one. All right. That is an amazing choice is number one. Again, um, for do me, a, do you have an honorable mention? <sighs> you know, uh, I say we just go, if you want to do an honorable mention, anything I would be an honorable mention actually goes into my best acting. Okay. I do have one honorable mention that doesn't got the best acting, which is the recruit. 
Because <laughs> that's another one that's really fun to watch. It's just like it's easy to watch. And you know what's great about that to me is we look at all these movies and there is always another character who at one point is y- typically younger than he is in his career, except for Heat, which you got Robert De Niro, and they've been in four movies together. <laughs> um, again, there's magic between those two on the screen. Uh, but in that movie... Uh, you know, look where that actor that plays his opposite ends up being the penguin in the Batman. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is in the recruit, the young guy who is ultimately his opposite because he's been being manipulated by Al Pacino. Right. And, but at such a young point in his career, I'm sure he learned more than any of us could ever imagine from Al Pacino. And I think in life, that's one of the things that I love about some of the actors we've talked about, and particularly Al Pacino, is this guy really does, in my mind, live by a code. And I love that. I try to do that. I actually, like, I will admit, like, sometimes I fail my code. But I really do try, and I really do uh, respect and admire anyone like an Al Pacino who has lived by that their whole life. I agree. All right, you're uh, number three for best actor. Okay, so I love the fact that you brought this up, Noah, because my favorite three for acting, it was it was a treat because I had 10 movies listed. Six of them get to be <laughs> mentioned this way. Um, the other way, only three get to men- be mentioned because my three best acting are absolutely not my favorites to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I love that you did this. Um, my number one. Are you going number one or number three? Oh, my number three. My number three, um, best acting. And this is interesting because he won nothing for this. Um, And I don't know that it was intended to be best acting, but um, the way it all rolls out, it's not something I want to watch over and over and over again, but I want to watch it from time to time. And that is his 1996, it's ultimately one of the few things he directed in life, looking for Richard. He's talking about Richard III, but he really goes into a lot of history and about how the Queen of England absolutely used her powers to sway and push Shakespeare to write his plays the way she wanted, historically accurate and or inaccurate to make that piece look good. Because, interestingly enough, unless you sway history, she should not have been on that throne there should have been somebody else on that throne um and it's this beautiful piece of history well written and i love the way that he has an early acting um tryst with shakespeare and also a love for shakespeare which is why he did this so much later in his career um he was doing some actual broadway stuff uh not broadway but acting stuff doing plays in 1977 uh Almost 20 years later, 19 years later, in 96, he does this piece as a director. Um, And I love it because I just love the history um, and knowing that it is, it challenges history as we know it. I bet you that would be on my list if I had seen it. Uh, You told me about (laughs) it and I was like really looking forward to seeing it, but I have not been able to watch it. But my number three is Scarface. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, I don't know. I just really thought uh, the job that he did in Scarface was really good. Uh, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, uh, you know, one of the favorite, one of my, you know, one of the lines that I always known was say hello to my little friend. Right. Uh, and, you know, 
being around in the 80s, cocaine was a huge thing. So I don't know. It's kind of a little reminiscent of that and the whole Miami and and uh, all that kind of stuff, though. But I thought his acting was pretty good. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, but, but it's not a movie I can watch all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly because it's so goddamn long. <laughs> <laughs> Three hours long. <laughs> but you know, I think he kind of like that. Uh, him being the uh, the gangster in uh, Scarface kind of is like uh, almost a mirror image of another movie of his so it's interesting that you bring that up because my number two you're ready for this is your number three it's scarface is my number two <laughs> for his acting and i would say I, I could be wrong and i probably am wrong but i i think um for me when when i go from my number two to my number one they're so dynamically different and his number one my number one um for him uh predates Scarface. And because of that, like, man, uh, he had to go that extra mile. You're um, talking about Cuban refugees coming to America, previous criminals. If you don't know the situation, there was a big deal with count, I shouldn't say countless, but hundreds of thousands of Cubans fleeing to America. And when this was allowed to happen, the criminals were the first to be let go to get off Cuba. Um, and it was an interesting situation because it's, again, history. And I think history plays a big role in, in movies I love. And with this, um, again, Scarface is amazing. His acting is crazy, absolutely plays the whole role of you have to be pretentious. Um, like he literally is on that line of what is this guy? Is he sane? But he <laughs> he is sane. Um, but again, he's living by a code and had he not been betrayed in this movie, like in so many other movies that he is in, this movie, the the line would have gone an entirely different way, but you cross somebody who's got a code and they finish it. Don't start something you can't finish. He finishes it. Right. <laughs> All right. So that takes me into my number two, which was on, on your previous list. All right. Which is Scent of a Woman. Oh. I think the acting that he does in this, I think, uh, is, uh, is great because um, really this whole movie – deals between him and the other actor and it's all about like character development and his uh, acting skills had to be like really on point not that like he ever does a bad job acting and i think this one he does a really good job of carrying that uh that movie along with his uh the counterpart to him and uh it's a very emotional movie um as you had mentioned and uh i think that's one of his like better acting jobs in my opinion yeah i for me it's just such a great movie it's hard to think of the acting almost it is such a seamless movie um the movie had a very dynamic impact on my life very few movies make me want to be a better man this is a movie that makes me want oh, yeah. to be a better man and when i think about this um it is also a movie uh, besides my dad and his military history brief military history this is a movie that makes me respect the military that much more when you realize, okay, yeah, like you hear about these things. Al Pacino does a great job, in, to your point of acting, where he's living in a past, and it's kind of like he was a football star. He was a military great, and then you go blind. Um, but the fact that, and this is one of the things where, God, 
And it's and it, wait, he lived with his daughter, or who did he yeah. live? With? And her daughter, her husband, and the grandchild didn't really care that. Like they cared for him, but they didn't care for him. Like even he, though he was the one footing the bills. Yeah, yeah. like I think they uh, they took him for granted. And it's easy to do that yeah. tragically when you're so close to someone. And uh, I think when the kid, like you know, the kid comes in for the like that weekend, that week long like job or whatever it was, and then he 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 learns, uh, or and, and he appreciates him. And it's, it's a it's a really great movie, and it's just uh, very heartwarming and very emotional. I remember seeing that movie with my mom and my grandmother. I'm not sure that's like probably like the best two people to go see that movie with. <laughs> it might have actually been the best two people. Because <laughs> you get to consider, do you take them for granted? True. Um, okay. I, I want to go here just because it was on both of our lists in very different places. Favorite three pieces of this movie. And I'll be quick with mine. Um, my favorite three, the ending is Dynamite. It's actually my second favorite. Um the Ferrari, driving the Ferrari, and just the way he acts in the Ferrari dealership is my third. But my number one favorite scene in this whole movie is when he does the tango. That is, a, I, I, those would be all my three, but they'd be just slightly different order. It is amazing. The scenes, the impact, life, living, living, living is uh, a blind man living more than I do. I, I think that is a beautiful well, piece of that. You movie. know, I think. Part of that movie too, though, like I think he was knowing that his clock is ending pretty quick, and I, I'm not sure if it's because he wanted to kill. I, I, it's been a while since I watched the movie, but I think he wanted to kill himself, if I remember correctly, because no one really was appreciating him, and uh, it's at least until the boy came along, and uh, and you know uh, he he uh, threw a lot of life experiences in with that last week with that kid. And um, at the very end, I think the very end for me would be the number one for me because that I think that was so impactful how he came in and he came to the defense of that kid there at the end and, and everything like that. And it, it just shows the type of character he was, the as you said, the code that he had or has. Um, and uh, it's just a, it's kind of a, almost a shame, though, that he got to the point where he wanted to kill himself off because I want to appreciate it. I mean, he was feeling down about like having no eyesight and stuff like that. Um, but the, the experiences that he goes through in that week with that, with that kid is phenomenal. I mean, and really when you look at it, life really should be about experiences. It, that's what life is really meant to be. It's about us going about learning new things, experiencing new things and the moment that we that we don't do that anymore, we are we might be alive, but we're not alive. We're not living. So I think that's why I love the scene with the tango. This is a blind man who hasn't danced in my guess decades. Imagine the dancer he was decades when he could see. Uh, it's just such a beautiful scene to me. And the fact that he has no idea just how damn hot this lady he's dancing with is. She could have been hideous. And it didn't matter. It was the dance. I love that scene. I don't know that many people consider that uh, like the way I did when I saw that. I'm like, he has like, yeah, the, the kid tells him she's, you know, she's attractive, whatever. He has no idea just how hot this lady is. But he dances with her and it's beautiful. But it wasn't about her. It was about the dance. And uh Man, I hope in the next decade I can just 
half as well. Learn to tangle like that. All right, are we on our number ones? All, All right. right. I wonder they're going to be the same. Oh, man, this is so tough because it ultimately goes back to where it started, 1972, Michael Corleone, <laughs> the godfather. Just take it uh, home. That's Francis my number one. Ford Coppola. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I, I'm teary from thinking about Scent of a Woman. Um, that movie was so impactful. But so was The Godfather, but just an entirely different way. And why I say that is it, it, he didn't get to be the crazy wild man he got to be in Scarface and the Godfather so that Scarface was a whole different level of acting but the fact that you take these Godfather movies and he has a longer history he's in multiple movies with this um, and just where it all goes it has to be my number one because it also um, stands a test of time um, starting with the very beginning and it, I don't know. I There's too much detail to go into. Francis Ford Coppola, you did a beautiful thing here. How he didn't win an Academy Award, any one of them for this piece in particular, is hard for me to believe. But then again, the Academy wants to see things last a little bit longer. They want to see Will Smith slap somebody. <laughs> uh, but with that, this piece of art is forever. Um, the Godfather, much like Scarface much like many of these movies we mentioned, but particularly Scarface and The Godfather, um, you know, The Godfather being three movies, these are immortal. And uh, because of that, it's so much to watch. And it's so deep that it's not easy to watch, to really take in, okay, this guy's getting married. He just came back from the military. He's losing his wife. Uh, this guy's life is shit. <laughs> I don't want this guy's life, but at the same time at the end, you know, three movies later, man, I want, to be as good as this guy. I want to be as great as this guy. Um, so yeah, for me, the Godfather. All right. So my number one <laughs> is also the Godfather. And I mean, don't, I, I know I said the Scarface mirrors another one of his movies and I was talking about the Godfather or the trilogy here. Um, and I'm not saying in the same sense that like he plays the exact same type of like mafioso type of character, but there are a lot of similarities there. Whereas, like, he does become the head of the family in both in both cases. Uh, how he goes about it, slightly <laughs> bit different. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, one comes more from a cr criminal background and goes up and through it, where the other one comes from a military background uh, and comes through it while his family's already in it. But he goes to the military, he tries to be good, and then ends up taking over. Um I mean, you, you nailed it. It's a it's a it's a it's a piece of art. Uh, it's it's moving the act all the other all the actors in there did a phenomenal job we already did a whole a whole uh show on that uh previously so if you want to know more about how we really feel about the godfather go ahead and watch that episode um but it i think that this is i think his by far his number one for acting i think it really kind of like it laid the soundboard for everything he does and echoes throughout his uh, tenure as a as an actor all the way through till now, and um, yeah, I, I just he's just an amazing actor. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. And uh, you know, man, uh, Al Pacino. Should you ever waste <laughs> a little bit of your time on us, 
um, or be anywhere near Denver and want the two of us to willing to give the two of us 30 minutes of your time. Let us buy you lunch. Let us pick your brain. Let us just hear a little bit about your life, anything, um, something not scripted. Just you can be like, yeah, thanks for the drink. Now, F off, Jesse and Noah. We'll take that. Um, you are great. And we would just want to buy you lunch or dinner. Far more expensive as dinner, but you're worth it. <laughs> Better than most dates, right? right. Um, would love to uh, to just get to know this person. He's one of the people I would love to spend an hour with on this planet. I agree with that. And to give my honorable mention, since it's already been mentioned in another one on the list <laughs> uh, for, for best acting, is Heat. Okay. Because Dude. his acting in there, especially like he had to have like his his game had to be near the top to uh, go against uh, De Niro, who also had to be on the top to go against Pacino. What's interesting is one's a criminal, one's a cop. They're both bad people, but they're both great humans. And what I mean about that is when it comes to taking care of Pacino and his girlfriend's daughter, he is on the spot um, with De Niro when it comes to taking care of his criminal friend's wife and family he is on the spot he actually saves them and dies in the making um it is amazing that we could do an episode just on heat and it would run two hours long <laughs> much I agree. like the godfather <laughs> i agree i agree all right any, any last words about al pacino i think you really something up great with the whole like if he does come to, to colorado or whatever we, I, we love to take him out to dinner. one of the few humans i would uh do almost anything for just to have an hour of your time. Um, yeah, I, I respect you uh, for everything you have done. We didn't even get into his Emmys or his uh, Tonys. Too great to uh, really try to sum up in one show. Um, thank you. It would be my last thing. I, here's how I would sum it up. Al Pacino, thank you for the art you have positively impacted my life with. I appreciate you. And I concur. Thank you for the art that you have put out there to the world to share with all of us and uh, what you've done. We It's greatly appreciated here on Scotch Hour. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, what is our next topic and our next uh, Scotch, if you have it available? I know I was a little bit like... Oh, man, no, it's all good. So here's where it gets really tough. And I, I uh, part of me doesn't want to do this because this episode was so dynamic and so heartfelt. Um, but the other part of me is like, okay, just do it. And then I go back and I'm like, man, we can't have that many great Scotches. Thanksgiving's <laughs> right around the corner. And then part of me is like, you know what, though? Life is short and... Um, we're going on this kick of topics. So for next week, and I don't know that it can top uh, the Ardbeg Ugadal, but it is the Lagavulin. This has come out. You may or may not have seen this one yet on shelves. The Charred Oak Cask Offerman Edition, 11-year. Um, and a topic, I think... Interestingly enough, very similar to your own. And I know we talked about this at one point. Um, this is really going into Christopher Walken. And he is not <laughs> the same as Al Pacino in any light, but he is great in so many other ways. Um, it, it's, it's tough because uh, um, a different piece of art, a different piece of life, um, and it's going to be another, I, I think, tough show to try to keep down to a reasonable time. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing one of my thoughts already. Uh, oh, it's a good man. one, though. I love it. You, I, I didn't know 
where else to go after Al Pacino because it's like it uh, is another one of those things where I think it kind of follows in line with these are people that live by a code. I love it because I remember telling you like I wasn't sure who I, you know what why, what I wanted my subject to be and I thought about Christopher Walken but I didn't think that was good enough to follow up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, now I'm just trying to follow up with Al Pacino with Christopher Walken. Um, the interesting piece is I don't know that Christopher Walken um, has the dynamic roles that Al Pacino does, but he has dynamic impacts in the movies he's in. I agree. I think he has dynamic impacts in the movies that he's done. And honestly, he's like one of my favorite actors. Dude, the he, guy's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. All right, so Christopher, uh, well, this this will uh, give us some uh, fun movies uh, to uh, entertain ourselves with over the next week. Yeah, there's like 120 of them to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> I can really tell you right now, one of them, if I if it's on any of the channels that we have, will be Joe Dirt. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> hysterical and his role again, not dynamic role, dynamic impact. And another one probably will be Prophecy. I'll probably watch that one as well. See, I love Prophecy. Um, I can already tell you Suicide Kings is in there. I'm, I'm watching yep. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, with that being said, uh, I guess I'll just start to close up here. Uh, if you do enjoy our show and uh, you want to uh, donate to us, uh, if you look down in the comments area, uh, it's the very first one there. It's a link uh, to... Uh, uh, Podbean patrons, uh, you can do, you can become a patron for as low as a dollar. That just goes to our show here to help offset the cost of the, any of the scotches, uh, any movie rental, uh, movie theater rentals that we may do, or anything else just to help uh, promote the show. Um, we do want to thank everyone who's been listening to us on Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and uh, all of those. Um, you guys have done great, uh, like our best two months were, uh, the month of September and the month of October. So we greatly appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who watch us on YouTube and rumble, thank you for watching us on that as well. Please like share and subscribe and I'll pass it along to you, Jess. Yeah. I, I, uh, appreciate any feedback you give us. Please give us feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Do you want us to try a specific scotch? Let us know. Um, this one has been dynamic and I can't tell you enough. If you get the treat and the chance to enjoy this, please do uh, and enjoy that aroma. Um, fantastic scotch. Life is great. Drink responsibly. And cheers, I guess. What? Cheers, man. Scotchman! We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.